All right, Mark chapter 10 tonight. Chapter 10 is where we're going to be. And if you need a handout tonight, if we have a couple of guys in the back, or we have Kyle in the back, we'd love to get you a handout. Just slip up your hand. We would love to get you one of those. Mark chapter 10. This is an interesting time of year, isn't it? It's kind of, it's getting dark earlier. It's kind of, holidays are coming. I mean, it's just, a lot of change. It's getting cold. This is, I think this is probably the first like cold, cold day we've had, right? Are you all awake? Everybody okay? You feeling all right? There's something on me? Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, was, it was definitely cold, cold this morning. But anyway, sorry. Uh, Mark chapter 10, and uh, hopefully everybody has a handout. You can follow along. And uh, it's my privilege to be able to bring the Word of God to you tonight. Not something I ever take for granted. I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful not to be talking about divorce tonight. That's, uh, that's a real, real blessing. Uh, I don't take that for granted anymore either. Um, but we're going we're gonna to read a few uh, verses of our section tonight. We're going to be in ver- verses 17 through 31. It's a very interesting, um, interesting text of Scripture, interesting passage, interesting story. Um, this section here, it all, it all goes together. Let's just read the first few verses here, and then I'll and then I'll pray. Uh, John chapter 10, starting in verse 17. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time together tonight. Our Lord, we pray that you would be with us this evening. Father, thank you for the privilege that it is again to look into your word. God, I pray that you would help us each, that we would learn what you would have for us to learn, that we would apply your word in, a way, in the way that you need for us to apply it tonight. God, I pray that you would speak your word through me, that I would say nothing that your word doesn't say, and nothing you would have for me to say Tonight, God, we pray these things in your precious Son's name. Amen. Uh, over the last couple months, my uh, phone, I have an iPhone, and it's started giving me a little bit of problems. I'm sure all of you have had this experience where you have, you have a phone, and they're not made to last forever, are they? Uh, it's one of those things that they kind of make them so that they don't, actually. Uh, it's like they, they want it to wear out on you. Um, but I've started having you know, some, some issues with my phone, not, not really a big deal, and I have, I have one on the way, um, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. But, but I, I mention that only to say that a phone is, is for me, now some of this may, some of you may not resonate with this, but, but for me, a phone is just not really, it's, it's a non-issue. 
It's just not a big deal. I don't get all that excited about a phone, okay? I have a, I have a new phone coming, and uh, as long as it does what I'm wanting it to do at that moment, that's the problem. Is the, part of the problem with my phone right now is that it's not doing what I need it to do uh, when I need it to do it, okay? And that, that's a problem for a phone because it's something that you're employing to do something for you. And uh, it's a great resource, great tool, whatever, but, but it's, it's a phone, okay? It's, it's just not that big of a deal to me personally, uh, I, don't, I don't get all that excited about it. I, I, ha- I like having one, but as long as it works, I, I'm fine. I do not care if it's the latest, the greatest, whatever. It, it just doesn't really matter that much to me. Now, some people think differently about phones, okay? Um, some people have a, a very different mindset on this. In fact, I mean, I work with teenagers, and so I, hear, I overhear uh, teenagers and, and, and the things that they say. And I recently heard a teenager uh, speaking about a new phone that, that they wanted to get. And they were excited about this new phone, I guess. Uh, and I, I don't know if this phone was really within reach. Um, but, but they were wanting a new phone, and they were talking about this phone. And of course, I guess it was probably the latest iPhone or whatever. But, but the phone that they wanted was Sixteen hundred dollars, okay. Um, and I'm not criticizing that person at all, and and I'm not saying that that's not you know maybe that is something they should do. I I don't know. It's probably not, but um, I all I'm saying is it's 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 not really my thing. On the other hand, uh, a sixteen hundred dollar phone doesn't even occur to me. Like that that just blows my mind. Um, but on the other hand, uh, I have a neighbor, and uh, he's he lives one row one uh, street down from us, uh, a little across from behind our house. And um, we were at a birthday party a few weeks ago. His, uh, one of their kids was turning something. And so we were having a birthday party. And I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't remember. But um, they were having a birthday party. And so we were there at the house. And he owns uh, a company or two or several. I don't know. And, and, and he was telling me about this new truck that he's getting. And this a new F-150 or 250 or something 50, I don't know, truck that he's getting. And, and, and again, you know, does a truck really make that much? Eh, I, 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 it's not that big of a deal, you know, when he's telling me about it. But, but I was out walking the dog a couple days ago, and I, and I heard about the truck. He had told me about the truck, and I, I walked past their house, and for the first time, I saw the truck, okay? And, and I saw the truck, and I was like, wow, that... That's a really nice truck, okay? I can see why he was excited about that truck. Again, am I um, going to look to that truck uh, to, to get a truck like that? No, my wife's watching uh, in Pennsylvania. I am not trying to get a truck like that. Um, I am not going to search for a truck. I do not think, that, I don't actually think that a phone or a truck, I for one second do not have in my mind the thought that if I had that truck, man, my life would just be complete. I would have everything. I mean, I would be satisfied with that truck. But, but I will tell you that, that that is more tempting for me than, than the phone. I, I wonder what that is for you. I, I wonder what it is that, that you think will be, like, make your life complete. Like, if I, man, if I could just have this. If I could just have this one thing. Man, I mean, every, I mean, everything, the water would taste better. Everything, the stars would be brighter. Everything would, would just line up if I could just have this. It, it, it would satisfy me. Uh, the, the problem is that, and, and, and I've, I've mentioned two things that don't really make that much difference to me. But, but believe me, I have things, okay? And, and so do you. And we, we call, you've heard this before. I mean, we call them idols of the heart, right? 
Um, and that's, that's kind of so, part of what we're talking about tonight. The, the, the problem is that we, we think stuff, if I can use that term, and I use that term intentionally, stuff, um, because it's a pretty vague term, and whatever it is for you would fall into that category. We, we think stuff is going to satisfy. Um, there's a lot of things uh, in life that would fall into the stuff category. I'm not talking necessarily about material things either. It may not be a financial goal, uh, but what, what, what is that thing that we think, okay, it's going to satisfy? What we're, what we're going to see from our text tonight, uh, I believe, is that we, we must leave everything else behind and follow Christ. And that's why we've titled the message tonight, Leaving All. We leave everything else behind and follow Him because He alone is worthy and He alone is worth it. We leave it all behind. First of all, tonight I want to see that you can have everything, but at the, same, at the very same time, you can have absolutely nothing. In these verses, we have a call to leave all behind and, and to be saved. And really, that's, that's what this, this, this section is about. Let, let, let's remember uh, just briefly here that in the, in the section, in the verses just previous, Jesus has been ministering to who? who? Who Who is the section about just before this in verses 13 through 16? Who is it about? Children. Okay, and we, we, we talked about that, the, the children a few weeks ago. The children, Jesus is ministering to, he says, Suffer the children to, to come unto me, because there of them, of, that, uh, of such, is the what? Is the kingdom of God. And, and we said such is the kingdom of God, because those little children can bring what to Jesus? Nothing. Nothing. They, they, they have nothing to offer. Little children who bring nothing to the table. And then we have this rich man who, who stands in stark contrast to those little children. As he approaches Jesus and he asks Jesus the ultimate question. He comes running, kneeling before Jesus, and he says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, I, and again, I've called this the ultimate question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and we've, we're introduced here to this man, traditionally been identified as the rich young ruler. Uh, it's interesting, all three of the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three of them have this story here of the rich young ruler. But and, and if you were wondering, okay, it doesn't identify this guy as anything um, but, but, um, but a ruler, right, here in Mark. But, but just so we're, we're clear, in the parallel passages in, Mark chap, in Matthew chapter 19, verse 20, uh, this young man said to him, all these things I've kept from my youth. And then in Luke chapter 18, verse 18, now a certain ruler. So, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> um, we put those all together and we say, okay, now we call this guy the rich young ruler. Okay, so that's, that's who we're talking about here. Same, same guy. He asked Jesus the ultimate question. Okay, what am I going to do? How can I be saved? And we have a very surprising exchange, and there's, there's a whole lot that goes on here. I'm just going to read through the passage. Jesus answers him. He says uh, in verse 18, Jesus said to him, why do you call me? Now, this is very interesting, okay? Jesus steps back, and he says, because the, the rich young man, he comes to Jesus, and he says, good teacher, and this apparently struck Jesus in a little bit of a, a, an odd way because Jesus says to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. 
So we don't know if this man was coming to Jesus. Uh, it's unclear, unclear whether he was trying to flatter Jesus, flatter the teacher, that he really, or if he really did believe that Jesus is God and Jesus is just pointing that out. He says, no one is good but God alone. Why are you calling me good? Um, so he, it's interesting. He kind of takes a step back, and, and, and before he even answers the question, the, the rich young man says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And before he even answers that question, he says, hold on. First of all, why, let me ask you a question. Why do you call me good? And, and, and again, it's, it's unclear exactly what he's trying to say, but it sounds like he's saying, hey, look, I mean, are you, are you saying that I, I am God? Is that what you're saying? Maybe, maybe this guy was coming with, with uh, a, a a pure heart, we can't say. It doesn't say, obviously. But, but one way or another, Jesus says, he takes the opportunity to point out that, that no one is good but God. And we have no response. Isn't that interesting? Uh, from verse 18, he says, no one is good but one that is God. Now, it, again, we don't know if Jesus didn't give him an opportunity to respond or if perhaps the man had nothing to say. Maybe he, saw, I mean, he heard the question, but had nothing. He said I, he didn't know. In any case, he, he, he moves on after no response. Jesus says, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And so Jesus' second answer to him is, his first answer was, first of all, why are you calling me good? The second answer is, well, you, you know the rules. You know what the law says. You know what Moses says, and he gives several of the commandments in kind of a random order, actually. Um, but, but he says, you, you know the rules. And this is a, this is a surprising answer from Jesus for, for a number of reasons, um, not the least of which is the fact that we know that keeping the rules is most certainly not the way of salvation. Okay, right? I mean, that's a little bit odd. That, that should strike us as a little bit strange. That is not the way to inherit eternal life. But, but Jesus is going somewhere with this. Um, he, he knows this man's heart. He knows the need of this man's heart. And so in verse 20, the ruler finally responds, and he answers and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. He says, I, I've, I've done all that. Now it's, I mean, think about this guy. Uh, he was obviously familiar with the law. He um, says that he had done all these things from the time he was a child. Do we think he actually had done, he had kept all the rules? No, probably not, right? I mean, it's very very unlikely that that he's being completely honest here. I mean, was it really true that he had never borne false witness? He had never lied. Is that that really possible? Um, He says, all these things I've kept from my youth. And Jesus, and again, verse 21 here, Jesus it's almost as, and I'll be honest with you folks, I mean, this, (laughs) the book of Mark continues to surprise me. Um, You think, oh, it's pretty straightforward, okay? Um, And and, and there there have been just uh, section after section that that just presents some very unique stories, some very unique uh, and even challenging passages, and this is no exception. Um, Jesus says to this guy, he says, one thing you lack, it says that Jesus, looking at him, loved him. I think that's really important, that Jesus loved this man enough to speak the truth to his heart and, and where he was. 
and the condition of his heart. And he says, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up your cross and follow me. He says, first, I want you to, before you come and follow me, first you need to do this. And it's, uh, one possible explanation, it's almost as if Jesus is kind of playing along with him. This guy comes and he says, what must I what? Do. What must I do? What, what are the steps I need to take, Jesus? And, and of course, if this man had, had truly lived his entire life and never broken any of those commandments... Could he have eternal life if he was perfect, right? Now, of course, we know he was born in sin. We, we understand that. But, but it's almost as if Jesus is like, hey, you know what? I mean, if you think you're so great, then you know what? There's one, th- there's one more thing you still need to do. And he knew that this was going to be the, 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 the thing that was just one thing too far. Jesus, again, knew the condition of this man's heart. So in a sense, perhaps, it's almost as if Jesus is saying, okay, if that's the direction that you want to go, you're asking what you can do to be saved, he knows the man's heart, then this is what you need to do. You need to, he, he looked at him, he loved him, he says, sell everything you've got. And then, then you'll have treasure in heaven. Come, take up your cross, follow me. You know, some people have taken this instruction and, and have quite literally said that this is, this, is the, this is instruction for all believers, that this is what we all should be doing. We should all sell everything we've got. A true follower of Christ will sell everything, will give it all to the poor, will live in and among the poor. And, and while I suppose it's possible that God has called some people to do that, that, that is not a divine mandate that we have here in this passage. Jesus knew the need of this man's heart. He knew that he was trusting his wealth, as he will indicate here in just a few verses, and that he would not be willing to give it up. Sinclair Ferguson said it this way. He said, The rich young ruler had outwardly kept the commandments, but there was a God in his life which he prized more than the knowledge of the true God. And therefore we have this unsurprising response. He says he was sad and went his way. Went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. This is the only account in the entire book of Mark where we have a confrontation with a disciple who walks away from Jesus. Doesn't happen any other time. Um, He prized something as more valuable than following Christ. He valued his wealth so much that even eternal riches was not enough to motivate him to give it up. This was something that Jesus was calling this man specifically to do. Jesus knew this guy. He knew the needs of his heart. He knew he was not going to be willing to give up his wealth. He knew the great wealth that he had. So he didn't fail to inherit eternal life because he didn't do certain things. He failed to inherit eternal life because he failed to trust Jesus enough to obey him and to do what Jesus was asking him to do. 
We'll talk more about this. This entire section is all about this, okay? And Jesus is going to explain himself further here in verses 23 through 31. We'll look at that in just a moment. You know, there's a lot of people in the world today, I think, the application here would be that there's a lot of folks that are just like this guy. A lot of people who know about Christ, who know, who know Jesus, and who know what he offers. Um, they've heard of him. They, they, they might even know that he is the way of salvation, but they know what they would have to give up to follow him. And the cost is just too much. For us that are on the other side and, and know the freedom and love and peace and joy that Jesus offers, it, it's, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to us why this man wouldn't just do what Jesus was asking. But, but I, I believe we all know people that are just like this young man, a rich man who, who had so much, but at the end of the day, he had nothing. Nothing of real eternal value. In the following section, we've, we have the disciples who are questioning Jesus, who are confused, inquiring with Jesus about what they just witnessed. And we'll see that these disciples can have everything, excuse me, but can have nothing but have everything talking about the rewards for leaving all behind and following Christ. Look at verse 23 through 26 where we'll see that entering God's kingdom is impossible on your own. Look at verse 23. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. Now Jesus makes a a pretty startling statement here. As Pastor mentioned this morning, at at this time in a Jewish culture... uh, wealth was actually a sign of divine favor. Something that people thought, hey, that must mean that God, um, God is smiling upon me. And, and so it would be very surprising for the disciples to hear this. Why, why, why would it be hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples, verse 24, were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. Listen, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished among themselves, saying then, who can be saved? And that's exactly right. That, that, that's the question. Now, now Jesus' words here, uh, if, you're, if you're like me, as you know, growing up, you hear this, and, and so um, every time you, you, you hear this passage, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, all right, well, hey, hey I'm glad I'm not rich, <laughs> right? You, you, I mean, that's, that's how I think. That's how I've always thought. Um, and, but, of course, we know that, that in, in the history of the world, as pastors mentioned, we're all rich. We all should, this ought to concern all of us. Um, Jesus, in, in the New King James here, he clarifies in verse 24, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. In which that, that helps and makes a little bit more sense. It's only attested in some of the manuscripts. Some of your Bibles probably don't have that. Um, you know, theologians throughout, this, this, is, this is a tough statement that Jesus makes. It's easier for a rich man to go, again, and if we're all rich men, I have not seen any camels go through eyes of needles lately. Right? Ought to concern us a little bit. You know, and theologians throughout the ages have done a lot of what I like to call hermeneutical gymnastics. 
trying to get around this statement of Christ. I mean, can it really be that hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven? A camel cannot literally go through an eye of a needle. It's impossible. It is not going to happen. Some have suggested that there was a very small gate in Jerusalem called Eye of a Needle. Have you heard this? Um, I suppose it's possible that camels would have to stoop down very, very low to get through, but it was, very, it, was, it was difficult, but not impossible. That'll help us sleep a little better at night, right? Um, but I don't believe anything, any such gate existed. Some have said this is simply hyperbole uh, for sake of emphasis, and I suppose that's possible. But, but, but at this point, it's, it sounds like no rich man can enter heaven. And again, if that's all of us, then, then that's, it's impossible for us all to enter the kingdom of God. And obviously, that, that certainly can't be true. So there has to be another, uh, another explanation. The disciples are clearly disturbed by this as well. But thankfully, Jesus clarifies in verse 27, and he says, Entering God's kingdom is not impossible. Because with God, all things are possible. But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. Because with God, all things are possible. And I think, folks, the easiest explanation is just to take this at face value. To say that Jesus was saying, it is impossible for a rich man to enter enter the kingdom of God, but not with God. Because with God, all things are possible. Even a rich man can be saved. We serve a God of the impossible. We, the, the truth is, when you really think about it, is it any harder for God to save a rich person than a poor person? Is it? No. It's, it's, it's not hard. I mean, he's God, so nothing is hard. Um, but, but to save a rich person is no more difficult for God than to save a poor person. Where, where does the difficulty lie? And there, there is truth to this. It's on our end, right? Because just like this guy, our temptation is to look to our stuff, right? We think, hey, you know, and, and if you do, if you have like a lot of money, the temptation is to think, I, I mean, I can take care of any problem that I have by just throwing money at it, right? I mean, isn't it a temptation to think that way? Um, Jesus here, he's, he's dealing with a man who was trusting in his riches, and he was so attached to his riches, the, his riches were his God. You know, the rich man doesn't see a need for something else. They already have everything in their mind that they need. It is more likely that a rich person is going to be unwilling to trust Christ for that reason. Because he already has what he needs. If he needs something, he just buys it. But a poor person, like the children, right? Like that child, they have nothing. They have nothing to offer. And so it's easy. What am I going to offer, God? I have no means of inheriting eternal life on my own. Pastor said it this morning, it's easier for a poor person to trust Christ than a rich person. Lastly, we're going to see that following Christ is, in fact, 
rewarding. And again, the disciples here, they're still astonished. They're, they're, they're struggling a bit with this. Peter always speaks for the group. He, he says, he began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. Now, <laughs> you can kind of sense that, that Peter is getting a little nervous. The disciples are getting a little nervous here, right? They're like, well, I mean, have we, have we done this? I mean, I, we, we haven't, we're not trusting in our, in our riches. I mean, we're, we're, we, we don't have anything. We've, we have forsaken all to follow you. Verse 29, so Jesus answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and sisters and and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Mark rarely discusses the rewards of the Christian life, but here Peter speaks, and, and, and again, you sense his concern. And the disciples who, who have left everything to follow Christ, who, who as far as wor- in worldly terms, have nothing. When you think about when Jesus called the disciples, um, when, he call, when he called Peter, Andrew, James, and John, what were they doing? They were fishing. And, and, and quite literally, James and John left every, Peter and James left, left their boats, left their nets, everything, but, but or Peter and um, uh, Andrew, excuse me, left their boats and, and everything. But James and John, it says specifically back in Mark chapter 1, when, when this is given, that, that they left their father, okay? They left it all. They, they abandoned it to follow Christ. There's both eternal rewards and heavenly rewards that are listed here. He says there's, there's not any person who has is, who is left earthly things behind who will not now in, in this life also have houses and, and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands a hundredfold. And I would, I would say that anyone who has done that, you speak to any missionary or people that have left their home and, and, and left family behind or anything like that, who, who have done this, would tell you that that is the truth. But it's not just here. It's, just, it's not just the, the temporal rewards here. It's almost, again, almost like an, as an afterthought. He says, and in the age to come, Hey, by the way, guess what? You also get eternal life. And how great is that? But many who are first will be last and last first. Perhaps meaning that the last and and the lowliest in this life will be the first in the next life. The disciples had left professions. They left family, possessions, lands, and Jesus reassures them that they will indeed be greatly rewarded. So you can have nothing, but at the same time have everything. Just a couple of quick application questions and we're done. Number one, first of all, have you forsaken all and trusted Christ? I mean, have you, have you been saved? Have you left everything else behind that you could possibly trust for salvation and been saved? I, I don't want to assume even on a Sunday night that we could have someone here who's still, who still is, is not sure if it's worth it. Not sure if following Christ is worth it. Like this rich young man, not sure if the cost of following Christ is is too much. 
I would urge you to consider the rewards of following, following Christ, which is ultimately eternal life. But I believe most of you have made that decision, have left all behind in terms of your eternal security and what you're trusting in. But then the second question would be, what, what are you willing to sacrifice for Christ? Romans 12, 1 and 2, familiar verses. Have you, have you laid your life on the altar, as Pastor Fant was talking about tonight? What are you willing to sacrifice for, for Christ? You know, we, we all take a nice, deep, big breath when, when we realize, oh, okay, all right. Jesus isn't actually saying that we all need to sell everything and, and give it all to the poor, right? Okay, Whew. got that one out of the way. But, but is there not some application for us there as well? Isn't it true that we ought to be willing to give? Not, I'm not talking about like giving to the church. I mean, certainly that's true. But, but like, what, are, what are we willing to give to others? Who, who do we know that's in need? What would it take for us? What would we have to give up to be able to help someone who has a need? What are we willing to do to, to meet that need? What are, we, what are we willing to sacrifice for the, for the cause of Christ? Number three, what are you treasuring more than God? First verses we're familiar with, Matthew chapter 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't corrupt, where thieves do not break in and steal, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Question we have to ask ourselves, what, what are we treasuring more than God? Are you laying up treasure here or are we laying up treasure in heaven? You might say, well, I'm laying up treasure in heaven. I mean, I'm here. It's, I, mean, I, do, I do this stuff. I'm, to, what I'm supposed to do. Um, I wonder, what, what, do you, what do you treasure? What do you think about? You know, I say, I, I don't really know. I, I, I'm not really sure where my treasure is. What are your goals? What are you striving for? Um... You ask yourself, when, when my mind has nowhere else to go, what am I thinking about? I mean, that's your heart, right? Your heart, your mind, what you're thinking about, what you're desiring. Where is it that your heart goes? Where is it that your mind goes? That, that's going to show you where your treasure is. Are they heavenly things? Are they things of eternal value like, like souls? And, and that's the last question. Do you love those around you enough to tell them. Jesus, in verse 21, Jesus, looking at him, loved him. I mean, it's not a mistake that that's included here. The love that he had for this man, he had enough love to, to tell him. To tell him that unless he has left all behind, trusting nothing else, that he will not have eternal life. I say it often, Dr. Bob used to say it, the most sobering reality in the world today is that people are dying and going to hell today. It's the most sobering reality in the world today. Every single day, every single second, people, people, souls, lives, people, passing into eternity, every second, every day. When we walk through town, when we see, when we go to the store, when we see people, how, how do we see them? 
Do we look at them the way Jesus looked at them? Do we have eyes like Jesus that, that look at people as, as souls? Or are they just people? Do you love the community around you like Jesus enough to, to tell them? The title of the message is Leaving All, and, and I, I kind of mean that in two, two different ways. First, salvation, of course. You know, have you left all? Have you trusted Christ and Christ alone for salvation? Jesus called this man to stop trusting his earthly possessions, take up his cross, follow him, but he was not willing. Have you done that? But there's also a leaving all that, that we believers need to do as well as a sanctifying leaving all of placing our lives on the altar leaving all, being a willing sacrifice, surrendering everything in our lives to Christ, recognizing that there is nothing more important in our lives than following Christ. Each of us falls into one of those two categories. So I hope you're willing to take whatever steps are necessary for you uh, to leave all and to follow Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, we are grateful for your word. We thank you that you have given us everything that we need. We thank you that following you is eternally worth it, but, but not just eternally worth it, but that, that the blessings of following you even in this life, Father, we thank you. I pray that, that each one of us would be willing to set aside the, the cares of this life, the cares of this world, that we would seek heavenly things, that our minds would be set on heaven, that our our treasure would be in heaven. And God, we pray all these things.